This is Digital Pathology Today. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. Our guest today is Sam Therese, President and CEO of Alverno Laboratories. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Sam Therese is President and CEO of Alverno Laboratories, an integrated laboratory delivery network serving multiple healthcare systems and hospitals in the Chicagoland and Indiana area. Sam Therese has more than 30 years of experience in the laboratory environment, including settings as varied as community hospitals, academic medical centers, as well as research-based organizations. Alverno under Sam's leadership has pursued a strategy of growth and consolidation and offers laboratory medicine, anatomic pathology services, as well as molecular diagnostics. Today, we're going to be talking about considerations in going digital. What are the advantages to a healthcare system? What are the opportunities for improving efficiencies and consolidation through digital pathology? What does it mean to be an early adopter? Alverno clearly was an early adopter in taking its anatomic pathology services digital. How can it enhance the care that pathologists provide to doctors, patients, and healthcare systems? And what are some considerations in establishing a relationship in a digital pathology platform provider? Because clearly, as we're going to learn, it's not a one-off transaction or a one-time thing, but really it's an ongoing relationship or even a foundation upon which we can build This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by JAV Advisors. With over 16 years' experience, JAV Advisors focuses on business and management consulting for digital pathology and artificial intelligence in deployment within histology, pathology, and cytology laboratories throughout the world. Call 213-258-6268. For more information, JAV Advisors. Sam Therese, welcome to the podcast. Well, uh, Joe, thanks for having me. I'm really thrilled to be part of this discussion. Yeah, so we're in very exciting times now. We have a lot going on in the lab space. I think certainly COVID has been a major disruptor in terms of volumes in the clinical labs, but also huge changes in AP as well. And so we're going to be talking here about digital pathology. So Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your interests and experiences in in the lab space. Sure. Uh, So uh, currently today, I I serve as the the CEO and president of Alverno Laboratories, and I've I've been blessed to be around laboratories for 40 some odd years. So I've been through probably every laboratory experience you can, can think of. You know, from you know small community hospitals to, to major academic centers, diverted course and, and spent you know a decade in, in on the pure research side in academia. So you know the interesting story you know about laboratory. I guess I when I look back at it, I, I my first job while I was going to school was a phlebotomist. I don't know that I have any of those skills left. But uh, like I said, it's um, it's been a, a great career, and you're you're absolutely right. We're in a really exciting time with uh, digital pathology, and I I, I do kind of chuckle every now and then. And you know, sometimes you get asked, you know, this this brand new creative idea. And when I reflect back to my research days, which were probably about 30 years ago. We were talking about scanning slides, mostly from a research perspective, to build libraries and, and uh, research files. Unfortunately, in those days, we, we didn't have the optics to pull it off, nor did we have the memory to pull it off. 
as you might imagine, you know, doing things on floppy drives probably doesn't work in, in the digital pathology space, but uh, it is been around for a while and, it, and it's really exciting to kind of see the IT side of the world catch up with it and along with the optics. So really exciting time to, to bring that forward. It just took a few years. Absolutely. It has been with us a long time and it's interesting to see, you know, these massive advances in technology and then other philosophical things such as uh, Moore's Law and and uh, you know things like that, technology growing exponentially, and the price going to zero. You know, you mentioned those big, big files. You know, it's terabytes upon terabytes of data, and even just the cost to store it used to be prohibitive. You know, but now things are things are plummeting, and things are becoming more practical. Yeah, it's uh, it's really kind of interesting, and you know, like I said, I go back to the days of floppy drives, and I, you know, I kind of chuckle as I, I you know sit and. You know, we're, we're you know, doing some you know, things in the house and we have some images and it's like, oh, I just went and bought a, bought a terabyte hard drive, for, you know, for, for pennies, it seems like. And, you know, I had to learn new terms like uh, penabytes and uh, as we moved into the digital space. So, yeah, it's um, just an exciting time um, to see it. And, it, you know, for us at Alverno, it's really uh, key technology. Absolutely. So tell us, yeah, so you're particularly in a, in a key position, um, you know, with your experience in the business, but then also now as an executive and CEO at Alverno. Uh, so tell us maybe a little bit about the history of Alverno and how that has evolved. Sure. I mean, Alverno is, uh, by most definitions, a, a pretty young organization. I think we just celebrated uh, 20 years of existence uh, last year or the year before. So we're, we're pretty young. We are kind of a different flavor of laboratory. We um, are really a, a laboratory integrator uh, along with a, a hopefully a technology uh, innovator. Uh, so when I kind of look back over the last um, couple of decades, we, you know, we started with integrating six hospital laboratories into a, a large central uh, complex that we have uh, outside of uh, Chicago, um, and over the last you know uh, couple of decades, we've gone from you know, those uh, the original six to now 36. So we uh, basically own and operate 36 hospital laboratories, and we we move all of that work across you know several hundred miles of geography uh, into our large central operation, uh, and by doing that. You know, uh, yes, our, our hospitals function as rapid response labs and uh, have all the things they need to make sure that they can care for patients. And, you know, the intriguing piece, everybody kind of thinks of this as a, as a cost strategy, but really it, it's not. It's, it's really a service strategy because you can, you know, have a massive microbiology laboratory now with, you know, all the, the automation and MALDI and uh, you can be early adopters of that, and in the COVID crisis, you can you know stand up testing you know to the tune of multiple thousands you know per day, and deliver the turnaround times you need. And so we've been able to do that. Of course, we participate in other uh, activities and outreach and physicians and all of those kinds of things. But really, the benefit of the integrated model uh, is to really drive benefit for the health systems that are part of us and 
We continue to be an integrator. We're just wrapping up our last couple of hospitals. It's not an easy thing to do because we don't necessarily standardize IT platforms. So we have to do all the connection and building. Uh, and in this day and age, it's another thing that's uh, become easier and easier to do. And one of the key areas that we integrate in is uh, we have centralized all of our um, histology anatomic path work. So uh, in a given day in our laboratory, we might be handling, you know, 2,500 blocks and, you know, generating uh, five or 6,000 uh, slides or, or so on, on a given night. And, you know, we've made Maintained a kind of a truism to uh, pathology services is we want those slides read locally by the local pathologist, and they are the most valuable conduit we have to the clinician. So in our integration strategies, we did not want to disrupt that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's you know we're first and foremost in the service business. I think in in laboratory medicine, and and it's. And also, as you kind of alluded to, we do such a vast array of things. There's the clinical laboratory, of course, and then as well as the anatomic pathology lab, which are clearly very different, but often fall under the same organizational umbrella. And, you know, we know that laboratory results play such an integral role in the treatment and management of patients. It's been said up to 80% of healthcare decisions are made, you know, based on laboratory results, but only a small fraction of healthcare dollars actually flow into the laboratory. So I think that's great news because we have a lot of opportunity to expand and increase our offerings and increase our value, which is which is fantastic. Uh, so, and then of course, in business, I think clearly acquisitions and consolidation and centralization and getting these economies of scale is is very important, but you know, it's really that service and what's that value we can provide. So you said something interesting there that it's not, you didn't necessarily see it as cost cutting, you know, those kinds of activities, but a chance or an opportunity to offer the best service uh, to your customers. So really, tell us what's your kind of your overall strategy or guiding mission at Alverno? Well, I mean, from our, 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 our values in the organization, it's, it's really about providing care to patients and service to our physicians and uh, the other kind of unique piece besides those is a drive to innovate, to, to drive to be first. I will tell you that element of our, our, our mission can challenge us at times because we, we are often you know, moving down paths that nobody else has really uh, attempted, you know, and our, our first experience with that, maybe not the first, but, you know, centered around, you know, some of the work we, you know, did in the microbiology realm with automation. I think we were, you know, first or second uh, in the country to uh, adopt, you know, uh, automation and microbiology. We were probably first or second to adopt things like Maldi technology. And, you know, you do those and you look at that innovation and, um, you know, you get a, a holy cow moment in that, you know, we took turnaround times um, from, you know, 48 hours down to 24 hours. And as you can imagine, you know, 24 hours sooner in therapy, huge, huge, significant impact. And, you know, and we're, we 
believe digital pathology is, a, is another opportunity to do that. We are, you know, part of our, our challenge is, is, as I mentioned, we, we generate, you know, a, a massive amount of, of slides and, and, and work that we need to get back to a location. That location may be 200 miles away. And so you, you know, you think about what has to happen operationally to, to make that occur, you know, because, you know, you know, the slide now has a demand for a turnaround time of, you know, four o'clock in the morning in order to, you know, make the run and get there. Uh, and then you're equally, you're challenged because, you know, oftentimes it's not just the H&E, but, you know, there's some additional needs uh, for special stains and, and those things. And, you know, literally it's, it's almost impossible to get that slide back in time. And for us, you know, we looked at uh, digital pathology as, as the solution. You know, uh, it still creates some challenges because you, you still have to scan everything <laughs> that you're generating on a, on a given day. And you, uh, you get your breath taken away a little bit when you, you identify the number of scanners you need to do that uh, effectively. And, but, you know, it, it's not so much, uh, you know, this notion that, you know, okay, we're going to save courier costs and all that. But we have now the ability to get a, a biopsy result back sooner to get a special stain back sooner to give that next day you know report for anybody that you know has been you know sitting by the phone waiting for the call of the biopsy that had you know it goes i think many many moons ago people talked about um, sleepless nights so i mean our hope is that we're, we're helping to to erase them uh, as best we can and you know staying true to that that relationship that we want with the, the pathologist and, and the medical staff, we do not want to give that up because others have argued, well, why don't you just put all the pathologists, you know, in, in a building, uh, have everything read, you know, centrally and, you know, just don't worry about, you know, the central lab folks can uh, reach out. But um, I think there's, uh, you lose something in, in not having the medical staff connected with the pathologist, having them there and present to be no, uh, no doubt we have some some hospital or a couple of hospitals that are very rural, very very tiny, and you know perhaps in those cases we can't have a pathologist there every day, but uh, at least you know some days, and we can then supplement with you know the remote uh, reading. But but um, so far it it's uh, it been enabling us to to really continue to provide service in the way we think it should be provided. This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by DJT Solutions, your single source for all your digital pathology requirements, from consultation services to system requirements, including installation, training, and life cycle support. Since 1995, DJT Solutions, we are your best choice for your best results. Right. Absolutely. You said you said a lot there, and I think, you know, Alverna's a trailblazer, so you're also now going to be a trailblazer in digital pathology, or have been, which is fantastic. And then you said, uh, you, you know, the importance of turnaround time. If we can alleviate just just in doing just in, by improving that, we can perhaps alleviate sleepless nights. And I think that's 
a hard thing for many of us to keep in mind in the lab space. You know, we're always thinking, well, how can our tests perform better? Well, you know, what's our sensitivity going to be? Is it, you know, how are we going to get the best results? But if you ask a clinician what's important, you know, right at the top of their list would probably be, how about a good turnaround time? <laughs> Seems to be. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be the number one in most cases. So. And speaking of, you know, you kind of touched on consolidation. And so what sticks out in my mind is we had a big wave of consolidation around in the early 2000s where we had, you know, and it seemed that the driving technology around that time was uh, just FedEx and our, we somehow discovered couriers and we could really centralize labs, particularly in major metropolitan areas. You know, you could develop a central laboratory for AP and then shuttle these slides, like you were saying, back and forth in a, in a car in the back of a Honda Civic or something like that. Um, you know, I guess also maybe combined with the threat of decreased reimbursements in the in the AP space, it kind of drove a round of consolidation. So maybe, um, you know, was that real or am I just remembering it in a certain way? And then secondly, it, you know, is there going to be a lot more room for consolidation, you know, with the advent of digital pathology? Um, you know, as we look um, down the road, I, I mean, we still see consolidation, integration as an opportunity. You know, always the, the caution is, um, you, you know, you have to be doing this for the right reason. Uh, I think where it gets um, a little bit more complicated, you know, in our world uh, at Alverno, we have, you know, different partners, different members, different organizations that, um, that make up the integrated model. You know, you, so you have you know, integration occurring, you know, now uh, very much at the, the overall healthcare facility level. And, you know, within that, there is uh, opportunity to do that among, you know, the, I guess the family will call it. Uh, so I, it's interesting whether, you know, third party integrators will be driving it or whether, you know, individual health systems as they come together will be trying to create those integrated um, models within their market. Uh, so, I mean, we still see the potential. I think the challenge that sometimes gets missed, you know, is that, well, you know, integration across all levels seems like it's, you know, it's, you know it's, it shouldn't be that hard to do. We'll bring a team of people together and we'll make it happen. Having been uh, involved in these over the years, I assure you it's not easy and it's not simple. And there are uh, many, many, many dynamics that um, often get um, overlooked and uh, can generate some really substantial pain points. And, you know, it's, you got to be willing to make the investments in technology, uh, much like, you know, digital pathology uh, as just another element, another uh, enabler. But, you know, the, the notion of, you know, this consolidation level, I, I don't think is quite done. Uh, I think it'll be interesting, particularly as we move through the pandemic, and, you know, organizations kind of start taking stock of the damage that uh, has been done uh, and how they respond to it. If it doesn't, you know, send off another wave of, of either consolidations, closures, um, and that. And then kind of the other side of it, maybe not related to digital pathology right here, but 
um, there is some level of deconsolidation as you know now entities start looking at their kind of portfolio of, of organizations and, and start making decisions about you know this one's making money this one's not making money it really doesn't fit our, our, our model our geography or whatever it might be and so uh, you're seeing a little bit of you know the kind of the spin-off mindset uh, in, in healthcare in general I see so simple or simple in theory, but definitely not easy. So I think what a lot of our listeners might be interested to learn from you, you know, actually having gone through this process, you know, because we're such a, we're still at a low level relatively of full-scale adoption of digital pathology. You know, we're still in the early stages, but, you know, as an innovator and actually having been through this journey, maybe tell us maybe a little bit specifically what that was like, you know, starting from scratch and then implementing digital pathology. What did that look like? Sure. You know, I, I, um, you know, I think we did a, a, a few things right, uh, probably a few things wrong uh, along the way. Uh, and so, you know, if I if I go back to the beginning, and I think one of the things we did right was when we put together groups to start looking at this. Uh, we didn't take an administrative only look or a pathology only look. Uh, our teams were built um, with both uh, elements and you know they worked uh, lockstep there was no question so of course you know we had the right team members because we needed willingness to you know travel and, and see solutions and in our early days most of the solutions didn't exist in the US so we had pathologists, you know, investing multiple days on really long flights um, to, to see technology and understand how it worked. We also made it very clear, you know, our goal here wasn't to find ways to reduce pathologists, but to really enhance what we wanted to do. And, and we also... Um, uh, when we looked at it, how do I uh, describe this? this? Is probably not the the best administrative term, but you know we weren't looking to find the cheapest solution. We were looking for one that really would meet our needs, offered the the flexibility, uh, had a good track record uh, of moving forward. Probably the biggest challenge of um, this, if I was to, you know, put my short-term financial hat on, it is not the strongest of ROIs in the short run. And so we had to invest some time in where do we see this going? Um, you know, what is really the long-term? And uh, at some point we can, you know, touch through, you know, our thoughts on, on AI and how that might fit. But uh, we really try to at least have this as a long-term uh, understanding and then we made it a, an absolute strategic initiative with board sign-off so i think we did a good job at aligning the organization part of the the challenges and, and it's the pain of first you know nobody had done this at, at this level and, you know we're talking about bringing eight or ten scanners in and really you know, scanning in about one and a half million slides. So, I mean, we really didn't have a very good understanding of just what kind of data uh, we were 
really asking to to do and, and so we you know found ourselves you know scrambling a little bit in terms of there's no way we can store 1.5 million slides electronically and so we had to back off on you know that and, and really say okay for the time being glass has to be our long-term storage solution so I, and then i think we still have you know, i don't know that we clearly understood how it might fit into tumor boards and, and some of the, all the other service um, considerations so yeah we're working through them uh, and then probably it's just a there's a joke internally about the physical environment for scanners in terms of temperature and humidity uh, uh it's just a key thing to be aware of <laughs> i see i see so we we had some challenges in that realm and uh, we got through them so certainly it's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to flip a switch and then, you know, you come in Monday morning and you're going to be digital, right? It's a, it's a journey and there's going to be a period where, you know, the glass and the digital coexist, which, you know, you know, it might, might probably still be going on. I'm guessing that, you know, you haven't completely phased out glass. Yeah, it is. We, yep. We, we are moving through it. I, I mean, part of the challenge is, is, you know, we had, you know, 30 sites to, to transition to digital. And uh, we started the transition, I want to say, you know, in 2019. Uh, and it was supposed to carry through, you know, the first part of 2020. And, and then some, you know, little virus came in and kind of really disrupted things. And because there's a little bit of training and, and sign off, you have to do locally. And, you know, pretty hard to do when we're, you know, banning anybody going into any of our facilities and uh, and then just, you know, resources constrained because of that. But um, it, uh, we are well on that journey. And I think it, uh, our target right now, given the delays is uh, we will have the entire system digital uh, by the end of 2021. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. So you said, you know, one of the challenges of being an early adopter is you didn't really have anyone to look towards, you know, for case studies and inspiration and know-how. So it seems like Europe might be a little bit ahead of us in the game uh, so far. So it sounds like you were traveling to Europe and, you know, some of the, you know, Philips, I believe it's the system you, you went with, you know, not so we're not here to endorse Philips, but, you know, it'd be interesting to hear kind of your thought process and kind of what went into the decision to, to go with that system and you know and what were kind of what were your non-negotiables or what were your must-haves right out of the gate yeah um, we are using Philips you know at the time you know they did have the advantage of being the you know the FDA approved uh, unit um, so that's you know it was obviously extremely important and I wouldn't dismiss costs and all those you know budgetary things but it's um, how Alverno chooses partners. We have never been the lowest, you know, looking for the lowest cost. Uh, we try to understand who we're working with and, and what is their strategic direction over a fair number of years. And so that is probably the most critical piece. Um, while we may not have everything in our mind perfectly you know diagrammed uh, we generally have a, a three to at least a three-year kind of sense of, of where we're going if not longer uh, and so we're looking for alignment from a strategic perspective you know it's so it's what are you going to do with the technology okay great you can scan a slide and we can you know beam that slide in kind of star trek terms to wherever 
Uh, you can get it through the firewalls and manage all the IT constraints and all of that. But what else? What else is there? Um, so what else are you bringing to the table? What are you working on? You know, who are your other partners? You know, what are your thoughts on, uh, on AI? And so that for us is an extremely important dialogue. Uh, I want to be clear. I mean, you know, let's not be naive. You know, money does come into play, but it doesn't carry any more or less weight than anything else. And there have been probably cases where we, you know, we've identified a strategic path and couldn't find, you know, a, a partner that um, was aligning with what we wanted to accomplish. And so sometimes we just drop those uh, altogether. But, you know, being first is um, the team at Alverno has, you know, kind of accepted that risk and the pain. So we know that we sometimes are creating it and um, we accept that if we're in that role, we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, you know, but generally there's, you know, it's all fixable uh, and we can continue to move forward. So Phillips has been a good partner and they've been kind of true to their, you know, strategic path at least in our eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So it's not necessarily a one-off transaction and you're not just buying a piece of equipment, right? Especially, you know, with a system or a network as large as yours, right? You're really entering into into a partnership, you know, a journey together, you know, and not, you know, not only solving the problem now, but where's this headed in the next couple of years? Yeah. I mean, we have to be, we're, we're doing new stuff. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, we, we have a sense of today, but, you know, uh, we want to also be in this situation where, you know, there's probably many things we haven't thought of. We don't claim or pretend to be, you know, the, the, you know, the, the absolute brightest in the world and know everything. We're interested in partners that we can learn from and uh, help guide us along the way. And that's kind of what the partnership is. We're going to be together for a long time with this technology. And so, you know, the, you know. You know, setting up a transactional relationship is not particularly appealing. Right. And I think that's where many people actually get excited, right? What, you know, we can, you know, we get all the pieces in place to go digital, to scan our slides, to review all our cases on a computer monitor. But then what? You know, then we can build on that. And you're kind of alluding to, you know, then we're going to add offerings above and beyond that. AI is such a hot topic now. And I know you have a precision medicine program at Alverno. And I think, you know, so the question is, how is digital pathology going to facilitate precision medicine? Because I think another thing you talk to is getting the right result to the right patient at the right time in the right place to guide the right therapy, right? So what's that going to look like? And how is digital pathology going to promote that? Yeah, I think it has the, the hope uh, of providing a way to take, um, not necessarily disparate, but, you know, isolated sets of data uh, and if we can somehow bring that into a, a more complete picture which includes you know the, the, the surgical pathology and that along with then you know the sequencing to really bring an entire kind of picture uh, to you know our oncologist or our care teams we think there's some power in that and so, I mean, right now it's as simple as, you know, getting it all together for, you know, a tumor board meeting, but I think it has some potential beyond that. And I would probably tell you that we probably don't have it clearly defined in our mind, 
but we know it's there. So we're really looking forward to kind of bringing at least from a, a more integrated perspective uh, in understanding what it means. And then I think there's some minor uh, benefits when you you know you start looking at a, a piece of glass and you're you know you're or a tissue on a on a slide you you know you're going to want to find the areas of cancer so that you know potentially if you know you're looking for you know where to section in the block or or you know if you're going to micro dissect off the slide those cells uh, and use them in, in, a, in a precision medicine study I think it gives you a, a much finer um, kind of pinpoint to bring that together and I will tell you I mean we're very early on in our, our precision medicine program and, and you know once again you know it's like COVID has kind of derailed us a little bit so we're you know we're still building that program and bringing all the links together to make it happen so we have a way to, to go and, and truly uh, maximizing um, the relationship between the two technologies so but I think exciting and, and we'll eventually get there. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting, exciting times indeed. Well, Sam Therese from Alverno, thank you so much for being with us. And before we wrap up, just maybe tell us what, what excites you? Where, where do you see the field headed in the next 10 years or so? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's such a difficult question. I don't know whether to ask from a digital pathology perspective, a precision medicine, or just laboratory in general. Um, you know, if I kind of step back and I was in a dialogue earlier, you know, for the first time, probably, you know, laboratory has been front and center to the world uh, as we've battled the pandemic. Uh, you know, we've been recognized and, yeah, we've gotten the good and the bad and, you know, there's, you know, the negatives and all that. But it, it really is um, out there in presence. Uh, I think digital pathology kind of opens up this, this, this area of AI in terms of how it fits and how we can potentially use it beyond just, you know, the operational efficiencies of RPA and the like. So I, I think we're in this really golden moment where, you know, we have the attention of the world. Uh, and I guess my hope and my prayer is, is we, we don't let it slip away, uh, that we don't drive ourselves back into, you know, our typical boxes. And uh, I hope uh, leaders out there kind of challenge the the borders um, and it can be in all sorts of different ways I mean our, our phlebotomists now are our, our primary uh, collectors for COVID it can be in many ways so I think it's really uh, an exciting time but uh, I don't know if you would have asked me the question 10 years ago I would have said it was an exciting time so uh, you know I think it's I think there's going to be more in different technologies and greater opportunity uh, to be there and be present with with patients and the like. And I, I see staff, you know, they're so excited because you know, the work they do with COVID, for example, they realize just how much of a difference it's making. So I think, you know, technology is going to continue to explode. I think we're going to see more digital, more AI. I think we're going to see more, you know, near patient things. Uh, it's just really uh, an excitement, and uh, that you know, my hope is is that we all don't just, you know, go back to how we did it before and and lose the opportunity. So. Yeah, yeah, I like that. A gold, a golden moment. Let's not let it slip away. Yeah. Yep. 
Don't happen that often. Yeah. Well, our guest has been Sam Therese from Alverno. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.